Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining Podcasts. Society-13.com I like to listen. lost so much. My name is Victoria. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. I can never again be the little girl I was. You accept your fate I have my music box and a library lost, but I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? Time for your ride on the lift. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Season two of the lift arrives October 2016. Ride the lift in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now iHeartRadio. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Before you listen to this podcast, be aware this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humour at nightstory.com or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. Like this instead. Oh, you want to do the transatlantic accent, do you? Yeah. Well, you know what we do here is we, we get on the radio and we talk to each other. It's a lot of fun. Let's do it now. Yeah, see, it's going to be a great interview, yeah. Welcome back to the Ninth Story Mystery Hour. We are here on the ninth floor and strange things are happening. We're talking to people on other parts of the planet. How are these many personalities fitting in one Skype conversation? (laughs) How do they fit in my head? That's the question. And do they? Yeah, it's fun. You always have friends. (laughs) (laughs) We should video record this. Can we video record this thing? (laughs) Maybe. My, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. That's beyond that's beyond my technical capabilities. There's like a really bad Gerard Butler one as well. Where it's just sort of him traipsing through fields for about two hours and then he just fights Grendel. There's no Grendel's There's no lead in. It's just it's just there he's walking through a field of flowers and he <laughs> and he just is like, Hey dude, are you Grendel? Dude, I totally <laughs> fucking hate you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna so kill you. There's no reason. It's just I don't like your face. It's just yeah. That's it. Grendel's like, but hey, no, I'm a good guy. I was just, I just, nope, don't like you. Nope, stabbing you now. In a way, it's more fun that way. Yeah, it's because it's it's from Scotland, so I feel like they just said, hey, you're from Scotland. You've won a kilt in your life. Why don't you do this? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Wait, Beowulf's from Scotland? No, no, no. Butler's from Scotland. He's from. I've forgotten the name of the islands, but he's from. In between Denmark and UK, if I'm correct. Yeah, you're right. He's a gay. Do they make scotch there? 
Mm, in Denmark? You know, mm-hmm. why not? Isn't that worse? I'm sure, from? there's Danish scotch. Is, well, they wouldn't call it scotch, they call it Dutch. Yeah. Right. Know. Exactly. <laughs> call it Dutch whiskey. Well, I'm I heard sure that the Greeks have... invented scotch. No, what are you high? <laughs> or gyros they, they, or whatever you do. want to fucking call it. There we go. Dutch whiskey. With a history steeped in gin and brandy production, the Dutch now know a thing or two about dis- distillation. So it comes as some surprise to find out that the first Dutch whiskey was only bottled as recently in, as 2007 by Oost <laughs> previously nice. Geneva makers. Oh, cool. So they've got like six six offerings. Now, you know what you've done is you've cost me 77 pounds, which in American is like a thousand now, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I guess there's some problems with the, uh, with the, with the money over there, huh? People decided that they wanted to Brexit. Yeah. Uh, uh, So like I had the stream. The world is full of Donald Trump and intolerance. (laughs) Before Brexit happened, there's like a, there's like a EU agreement that anyone in the European Union can live anywhere. They don't need a work visa or anything. You can just say, I'm going to go to Italy, and you can just sort of live in Italy. But now that Brexit's happened, like, once that hits, I, I need a work visa. It's like his, his hands. Oh, they'd let you in. They'd be like, look at that guy. He's obviously Italian. Just let him in. <laughs> we have like a Polish delicatessen and an Italian one and whatnot. And um, the shop just got absolutely destroyed after Brexit because people took when the Brexit vote came through that we don't want any immigrants in our country. So they just oh, sort of God. lobbed bricks at these shops and it was awful. But like How the, dare the, you make food that is delicious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, and the nice thing about it is that the community behind it sort of paid back, gave the money for the damages and kind of made like a people barrier and stopped people sort of destroying their stuff. So in some ways it's kind of strengthens the little communities, which is quite nice. When you're agreeing with Donald Trump or Donald Trump is agreeing with you, it's time to really check what you're fucking doing. Oh, man. <laughs> time to really uh, reassess, reassess your decisions. When uh, Trump's like, that's a great idea. You're like, what have we done? What have we done? Well, and tomorrow he'll say the exact opposite thing. It's a great <laughs> that was idea. the worst idea ever. I was saying this to Tana, like, he was saying, like, are you following American news? And, like, to you guys, you must just see a news and it's mostly American. So everywhere else in the world, we have, like, local news, what's happening now, yeah, and it's just be American news, and, like, I have equal importance. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I know all the things Hillary's done and Trump's done, and, like, the riots and everything else, like, we we just know. It's just- all American <laughs> news in England airs on Comedy Central. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what are those wacky kids doing over there now? But before I get more drunk, we should probably start this, because we should. get weird. So, so let's start the show. Welcome to the Night Story Podcast, episode number 414. We have somebody back that we've had on the show before, and we have a new ghost, new ghost, new guest. New ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a ghost to me anymore. He, he left. He left. He went on to bigger and better things. Um, no, but we have a, a guest that everybody will be familiar with. 
if they're fans of The Lift and The Wicked Library, which are two of the podcasts created by Ninth Story Studios, Nico, the Thursday. I know, right? I was realizing the other day, you guys have never heard my voice. But like, I hear your voices all the time, particularly Dan. Like, I feel like I'm just soundtracking his life. Yeah. It's like, never heard me. <laughs> yes, it's it's interesting. It's one of the cool things about collaborating with, and, and that's something we'll get into too, because, you know, well, first of all, I mean, I'm in Pittsburgh, Jeanette's in Connecticut, Tanner's in Florida, Nico's in Scot- Lancashire, right? Scot- is, that, <laughs> is that part of Scotland or is that England? No, that, that's Northern England. You just You're made close. so many people angry. <laughs> people are always people are angry at me all the time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm used to that. Besides, that's why I can edit. We I can cut things out at my discretion. Um, yeah, leave it in. <laughs> yeah, why not? So yeah, except for the fact that it, now I'm distracted. Um, no, but I mean it's it's cool because you, we we're doing this this interview and we're collaborating all over the world and it's something that is new to the way that the internet was. I think it's something new that the internet has brought to collaboration and storytelling and art is that it's so easy to work with very talented people that, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, you would probably never get the opportunity to do it. You couldn't tell the stories the way that you do now, because you can reach out to people that are far removed from you. And you, you may have, let me like Nico and I have never spoken until today. And we collaborated a lot over the last, yeah. you know, almost a year, right? Yeah, it's pretty much, I think, all, in fact, it was at the start of August. Yeah. You sent me over saying, would you be interested? You, you went into that Facebook group. Yeah. It was this video game composers. And it's like saying, we've got this show. And you gave me the option of doing the Wicked Library to Lift. Mm-hmm. And I think I sent you a... I sent you a theme song. You said, yeah, yeah, that's great. I'll just get back to you. I wasn't expecting to hear back. And then you just gave me so much stuff. And it was amazing. Like it really was. Like I was, I was a waiter at the time. And like, I just, I was trying to find something I could do. Yeah. And then Dan just came and I was like, here's all this stuff. Just put music behind it. You'd be grand. And not only, not only did we have an opportunity to work together and, and like I said, I mean, we've, we've chatted online for a long period of time back and forth and gotten mm-hmm. to know each other really, really well. But today is the first time that we've actually spoken to each other, um, which is which is kind of interesting. I mean, that you can collaborate and work with someone for over a year and never actually hear each other's voice and, and never <laughs> actually speak. Now, I mean, I know Tanner and, and, and Nico, you guys have been working together for a relatively short period of time, and, and you've had a lot of conversations, shared FaceTime on, on Skype and, you know, talked a lot uh, to each other. But it's it's just it's really interesting that 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 can happen that we can work with people uh, from from so far away and and be able to tell these unique stories in ways that we never would have been able to before. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was chatting to Mark Nixon about this, mm-hmm. and he was we were saying the same thing. Like, if it wasn't for the internet, like you were saying, you wouldn't find talented people. But like, the coolest thing about it is that you don't really need to have like a situation to say, "Hey, I'm a composer, I'm a writer," and like saying, "Oh, I'm feeling this mood today." You can just sort of say it. Mm-hmm. straight away on the internet and like it's just it's there and people sort of hook on to it and relate to it and collab and it's awesome i'm very much team internet yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's cool that we i mean and through doing our collaboration you've been exposed to a lot of different people um i think that you've had some really good practice you know i mean and and when <laughs> and uh, you've composed a ton of music that's fantastic you know people really need to go and listen to season six of the wicked library and season one of the lift um, and, and just hear some of Nico's amazing work 
And it's, you know, it's, it's cool because now you have an opportunity to work with, you know, Tanner on the the Beowulf project. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about that? So Tanner, why don't you start? Because I know it was your baby to begin with. Yes, it was uh, my baby. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Um, So Tanner, for those of you who have no idea who I am, um, I co-host with Eric DeMott, the Legends, Myths, and Whiskey podcast. And uh, we've recently started a little production company (laughs) and we're making what we're calling Mytho Symphonies. And mythos symphonies are, first of all, made up word. Right? Awesome. That's not a word that ever exists. Every, wor- every word has been made up at one point in time, right? Yes, that's how yeah. we get words, right. That's right. Um, so a mythos symphony is a classic tale, in this case, the epic of Beowulf or the classic story of Beowulf set to a constant stream of soundtrack, which is where Nico comes in. And then in between specific tracks, not every track, there's kind of this little discussion that goes on between Eric and myself where we dissect the story a little bit and talk about maybe what could have been missed just at hearing it and not having a chance to do the research yourself. So we kind of do a little bit of research and try to shed more light on the context of, you know, the previous few chapters and then the next few chapters. And I think there's about 10 discussion tracks throughout the entire album and about 50 story tracks. So it's, it's quite long. I keep calling it an album. But it's a mythos symphony. Awesome. Yeah. Like with the music choice, we were talking because we, me and Dan are doing an audiobook and the music I'm doing with this, so I can't feel it. I don't know if I should be published. Should I be advertising this? Sure. Me and, Dan are, doing, a, me and a, Dan are doing. It's a project that we're working on. There's nothing we're wrong with us. Here. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with us talking about <laughs> yeah. that. It's, I mean, yeah. because maybe people that like Carrotfield, whenever we're done with it and listen to it, are like, well, you know what? I want to hear more of Nika's music. Why don't I go oh, check yeah. out Beowulf and vice versa, right? But it's like um, with Carrot Fields, the music direction with that is like you do sort of seed music. So like at the end of the chapters or like if there's like an important part of the story, we bring the music in. So the music is much more very orchestral, very intense in very short bursts. So I think I did about an hour, maybe an hour and a half of music for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Beowulf, we're pushing on about three hours. I mean, four hours if I, cut, if I include the stuff I cut out. Yeah. Um, but the thing, because it's myths and legends, because um, the sort of text we're using, they're quite, it's very hard to follow the language. So what helps is with Eric and Tanner sort of discussing it. But what we've kind of agreed with with the music is to kind of have it as sort of like a, a mood influencer. Influencer? Influencer? <laughs> influenza. Yeah, yeah, it's influenza. Um, stay stay music, away, it's got influenza. <laughs> kind of agreed to make the music kind of tell the story at the same time. So like... There's like there's bits where Grendel sort of trouncing through the meat hole while someone's sleeping, so it's like really dark and sinister. And then there's other times where Beowulf's on his boat with all his soldiers, and it's all like really heroic. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of really hard to know it's doing that unless you've even read the story a few times, or you got people discussing it. So we thought the music having it's like a constant backgrounds is by far the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, music can be such a great way to carry emotion and. I mean, that's why you can see an opera and not know the language and still get the emotion and get what's going on because music can be so powerful. And I think that's that's a great way of putting it that, you know, to, to put it behind the narration like that. It, first of all, it makes the narrator's job a lot easier. I, I know that from working with you that my job is a lot easier because I don't have to work so hard to get the emotion across because the music carries that. But also 
there's cultural references that we have. We know what heroic sounds like. We know what military sounds like. We know what horror sounds like. And, and you can definitely change the tone and carry emotion and, and carry the story that way. You know, so maybe I don't quite understand these couple words or I don't understand this cultural reference, but the music I do get, you know, so it helps yeah. bridge that gap, I think. Music is so much more universal than words could ever be. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can listen to someone speaking in another language and you can at least understand what they're trying to say. But like you said, like if you hear someone's like they're singing sorrow, you know what they're feeling. So music just it's just makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Sense. It really does run the spectrum. Everything that Nico did uh, for the Mythos Symphony. It's it's got all the brave, awesome moments. It's got the sad, sullen silences without being silent, I guess, because it wouldn't be music if there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you, you really do get an emotionality out of it because of the music that you wouldn't get otherwise if it was just me telling the story or Eric and I discussing the story. So it's really a mytho symphony mostly because of Nico. Oh, yeah. Shush, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, the coolest thing with music in general, I mean, you listen to... I mean, obviously what mainstream pop music is, is so much different to what I do. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned from working with you, Dan, and everyone else at the Left and Wicked Library is that music has so many different roles. Like when you're doing it behind podcasts in general, when you're doing it behind voice, you can't do these huge melodic phrases. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned the hard way, because I really did try and get this huge orchestral melodic things into the left, <laughs> is that the, you're not so much doing the melody or the harmony, you're more kind of going on the instrument side. Yeah. So obviously with Victoria, like I do a lot of um, music box stuff and then I kind of draw out the sound and whack a load of reverb on it and sort of, yeah, you kind of can tell a story just through the instrument choice alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, really important for Bill. For like, I mean, I use a lot of... Um, instruments that's sort of for Beowulf. So I do the hurdy-gurdy, which is like this really loud sort of bagpipe string instrument. Mm-hmm. And like, as soon as you hear it, you kind of just picture a guy with a kilt sunning on top of a hill in- in- instantly. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't explain things very well, but I know no, what actually, I No, I, I, that's, <laughs> I that is weird. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, the coolest thing I've found recently in the past few months is sort of using instruments to make sort of um, sounds. So like, in Beowulf, there's a dragon, and I use like a sort of snare sounds very, very lightly to sort of indicate flapping of the wings. Mm-hmm. And then if you blow through like a pipe, but not that buzzing sound, it just sounds like you're blowing through a pipe. So it makes like a breath. So when you mix the two together, it sounds like a dragon's flying and like breathing fire. That's and, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a little bit fun. about that for, uh, for Wicked Library when we were working on that. That's, you know, and, and even the lift there, that's why I always added the sound effects to the lift later because there were times when I could tell that through your choice of instrument, through the way you were using music, that it kind of took the place of sound effects, which I prefer when possible because I, I just think it, 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 it doesn't distract you from the, the actual story. You know, I mean, there are times when sound effects can be immersive. But there are also times when they can be distracting. And if you can indicate it through the music, I, I really enjoy that. I think that's a, a great way to do it. And, and you're right. It's very different when you're scoring for audio, for spoken word, as opposed to like in a movie or a TV show, because mm-hmm. you can be a little more upfront with that, you know, because you have the visual aspect to help carry things. Uh, whereas with, you know, what we're doing and what, what Tanner's doing with Beowulf, it's, um, 
it's just the spoken word and, and the music yeah. and they can't compete with each other. They have to enhance each other. And in a way, kind of sometimes the music fades and it's still there, but you don't realize it, you know, it becomes subconscious, which I think yeah. is really cool when that happens. And that's exactly what we were going for. We didn't want, because it is hard. You get kind of this, uh, and I get it editing the legends, Miss and whiskey podcast. You get this ear exha- exhaustion, this fatigue mm-hmm. of listening and with too much sound for too much time, it starts to become annoying. And Nico mm-hmm. was super aware of that before we started and wanted right away to make sure, because we wanted music throughout the whole thing, but we didn't want that exhaustion to happen. So Nico right. did a really great job of, in some of the dialogue where it's not so important that the music be there, it's still there, but it's very toned down. And like you just said, it kind of becomes part of the mesh of the story and you're not even recognizing that you're hearing it but it's there and it's making the story better yeah i mean if you listen for it and you're paying attention you'll definitely catch it but just the way that our minds work it it kind of becomes that background and and nico is very masterful at that it's one of the things that you know especially as you know the season progressed with the lift and as we got further into doing the wicked library together i think that he he kind of really started to to understand how how that works. And I don't know that I would ever be able to understand how that works because before I had Nico doing scoring, I did a lot of stock music work, a lot of arranging myself. And it's something that I thought I was decent at, but I never really felt that I mastered exactly that where it, it's there, but it's not there. And and that's really difficult to do, especially when you're, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe is it easier when you're actually creating the music yourself I guess it would have to be, right? Rather than using somebody else's stuff. Well, making your music rather than using stock music. Right. I mean, to yeah, achieve I mean, that goal, I think it has to be easier if you're writing it, right? Because you have more control over exactly what it's going to do at that particular moment. Yeah. I mean, but then the there's the writing me, it, which is hard. <laughs> there's the writing it, which is hard. But I mean, what I do generally, my workflow for the. Legends Miss and Whiskey podcast on the lift on the Wick of Library. It's like I always kind of request the story first. So then you don't really have like an innovation putting you off. You're kind of just picturing the world itself. See, I found that fascinating. I mean, the first time you said, well, I can get started if you just send me the story. I'm like, really? (laughs) I thought you needed the narration first. You can actually start to envision the music. And I'm like, well, I guess that kind of makes sense because as a writer, I can kind of see the story as I'm going through it. So it kind of makes sense that a musician would be like, Oh, this sounds like this, um, mm-hmm. which when it first heard that it blew me away. Tanner, how did, did, did that blow you away? Because I, that blew me away whenever I was like, <laughs> he hears music was he reads. What, <laughs> what, what blows me away the most about the way that Nico composes and uh, probably any musician composes. I don't know that it's unique to Nico, but Nico certainly has mastered it. And maybe it is unique to him. What do I know about music? That's not what I do. Um, But what blew me away the most was that he could make themes for the different characters in a story. So one of our more popular stories, I can't remember what episode it was from, but it featured a story from, I can't remember what country either because I don't have notes in front of me, but (laughs) had a character called Minikin. And Minikin Uh, was this little, he was like this little uh, forest elf that would pretend to be in need and you let him in the house and you gave him some food and it was kind of like the classic if you give a mouse a cookie kind of situation. And when, yeah. and when you give him food, he drops it intentionally and then he beats, he beats you to death. You know, not to death, <laughs> but he beats you up and he leaves you there for dead. 
Nice. Uh, and and nice your friend, you're embarrassed in front of your friends, but <laughs> he always, he would take these wooden blocks and for Minikin, whenever Minikin came on the scene, these wooden blocks would make this really fun, playful noise. And that was Minikin's noise. And he did, we just did uh, an episode featuring a little hedge, hedgehog called Hedgy Wedgy. It's our most recent episode, episode 36. Yeah. Uh, and he did a similar thing for the billy goat or the nanny goat in Hedgy Wedgy. And it was just... It was really cool. And he also did, along the lines of what he does for The Lift, he did some horror music for us because we recently did Dagon on the uh-huh. podcast, HBO yeah, I mean, Lovecraft's Dagon. And that was super it, dark. It's the darkest thing I've ever heard him do. <laughs> this is why we laugh because we in this new episode, we've got Dagon Lovecraft's really, really heavy sort of fear, intoxicating stuff. And then the next story is this little four-minute story about a nanny goat just hiding in like a foxborough <laughs> saying like, no, this is my foxborough. Get your own. Which is... <laughs> Um, but it's it's because I'm a I was a huge video gamer I still am but I was a huge video gamer youth I mean I played this game called Final Fantasy 7 and back then video games didn't have sound effects oh you know Jenna's a gamer too she knows you guys are you guys are the same (laughs) on that it's like the games back then there was no real sound effects there was no real voices so every character when they came into screen they had their own theme music Mm -hmm. so because I played that game to death, I kind of, whenever I approach stuff like for Victoria or whoever else in the story, it's like, I always just think this person's got to have this melody. And then you can just kind of subtly play it. And then when you've just changed instruments, you're not even doing, you're not changing the melody, the harmony, you just literally just changing from like a, from like a music box to just some strings. Like mm-hmm. it just, it changes the moods so much. Oh yeah. So but, I'm yeah. curious when you like first, read a character do you have like just a moment of like ah this is a this type of instrument or how do you decide how what what their musical voice is when they first come on the scene so basically it will start from the story and what i can get from the story because i like being as historically accurate as possible so with victoria i need to kind of figure out the timepiece and then from that timepiece i kind of bring up like a spreadsheet of the instruments and then you read through the story and you kind of hear their personality. So with Victoria, her voice is, she's sort of a child. So you kind of got that playfulness, but she's got like a kind of maturity behind it. So what you do is you kind of get a music box to kind of represent her childhood joy. I mean, she loves a music box anyway, but I was going to use a music box to begin with. And you kind of mix up the notes. So some of them are slightly off key to kind of give the feel like she's not really there. She's um, use the word effervescent, eff- ethereal, ethereal, ethereal. See, it's your language. It's not. Yeah, my no, no. It, it's, <laughs> you're right. I mean, it's. Um, I think that the uh, the typical English pronunciation is ethereal, right? Mm-hmm. And we say ethereal. It's just like aluminium and aluminum. So, you know, I think oh, yeah. aluminium words that we can't pronounce. Better way to say. I, th- I do too. Um, I kind of. I, I, I always think about the personalities, and I kind of know the intervals for that personality when someone's angry, I know I need to kind of put like a minus sick for whatnot. And it kind of just builds. I mean, it is half. It's just like a click, but because I do so much studying, half of it is like, I've got to have this theory behind it. Cause I just, I love studying in general. So half of it's theory, half of it's spark. And then you kind of edit it through and then you put the narration on top and then you kind of have to cut down and cut down because you kind of get two the music and the voice kind of conflicting. Mm-hmm. So you kind of work the music to hit the rhythm of the voice. I mean, I kind of got very used to dance sort of rhythm, so I kind of knew what he was going to say 
before you actually gave me an animation, which made it a lot easier. I knew how he'd say the words. Um, so there's like a sort, there's a definite rhythm to the way people speak, and there's a definite feel to it. And it's very easy to kind of once you know that to mix it together. No, that's really that cool. makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It does. <laughs> it's it's cool because I mean, you know, having a deeper voice, my my vo- my voice lives in a range where most instruments don't. So, I'm, <laughs> but with Victoria, that's not the case. She has that higher pitched voice, and her her kind of talisman is is the music box, which is, I guess, in a similar vocal, similar to her vocal range, right? Yeah. yeah. So that makes it a little more challenging, I guess. I did have so much fun when you told me how to do the voice effects. Which I won't spoil here, but like yeah. it was so much fun. <laughs> it's like saying, no, it's, it's, I was like saying, what, what voice effects is you, are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell you, you just do this. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so I think for like the next sort of five or six episodes after that, you can kind of hear me doing it with the instruments as yeah. well. Um, which, which there was one where Victoria goes really evil and she shows people in the basement. Which episode is that? Uh, that would be episode number one, the basement. Um, and then also, um, you have uh, the wet man, which was episode seventeen. Um, the wet which, man, yeah. which also ends uh, with a, a scene in the basement. How in so the world just... do you remember the episode numbers for these stories? I, when people <laughs> ask me that, I cannot remember. Uh, I forget. I tell some stories sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have this special relationship with Victoria. She's very near and dear to me. So it's it's, and I spend. I mean, I, I'm not saying. It's interesting because I was just thinking, you know, you must spend just as much time as I do listening to and re-listening to and, and putting this stuff together. Um, but I mean, that's that's the only thing that I can think of is that I just spend so much time working through these mm-hmm. stories and, and editing them and listening to them by themselves and then listening to them with music and then adding sound effects and then listening to the whole piece together and going through and fixing and correcting things as I go along. Um, yeah, I guess it's just ingrained it's in there. Ingrained, yeah. Editing. Once you start getting like, <laughs> yeah, through things the 50th time, you're like, okay, this is, this is number 412 because it's <laughs> burned in there. <laughs> Six savage seasons all in a row. Six scary seasons for the beast to grow. Six wicked seasons to keep you up all night. Six nasty reasons for your wicked delight. Six wicked seasons that you thought was scary. Wait till season seven of the Wicked Library. (laughs) September 2016. Visit thewickedlibrary.com From Society 13 Redefining Podcasts <laughs> There's a thing I've been doing recently It's because I've done, I've done so much music Is that I don't know if you get it writing, but when I'm, when you're making music, you kind of feel like you've heard this piece before, and you immediately think, "Oh God, I'm like stealing music off some artist." You're stealing music and from yourself. I, yeah, and you go for it, and it take hours, sometimes days. It's like I'm no sonus. I can't use this. I can't use this. Wherever I heard it, and I go back to like like episode two or three of the left, and it's like, "Oh yeah, I just nicked that little melody from there." I mean, I still I still plagiarize myself, but I change it. It's fine. Well, that's I think yeah, it's okay I mean, to plagiarize yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to plagiarize anybody. It should be yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there was a musician, I can't remember which band it was, where he 
somebody got sued for sounding like themselves, like in another band, like a, a later band that they were in. No they're way. like you, you, your music, your song, this song sounds too much like this other band that you were in. Can't remember who that was. Cindy would know. I think we were just talking about that recently. It sounds like a rock band issue. Back boys situation or something. It sounds back like boys. like I said back boys. I was going to say it sounds like a Guns and Roses thing with Axl yeah. Rose and Slash, but I could be. Know. I'm going to sue you because you sound like yourself. Crazy. I could only sound like myself. I'm true to myself. <laughs> Stop judging myself, myself. Yeah, I mean, artists all have a style. It's like Nico said, you know, he got used to the way that I would narrate. He got used to the way that my voice would sound and and how I was going to say things and kind of my my meter. Um, you know, it's it's the same thing. Jeanette has a style. I can tell a piece that Jeanette has done because she has a style. You know, it's like and 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 that's that self plagiarism thing. You develop certain habits and certain things look good to you or sound good to you. And that's the way that you do things. And and I think that's the same with music, obviously, you know, you're going to have a style, you're going to have things that uh, work for you and that sound good to you. And it's, that's just the nature of it. And I mean, you grow and things change, but you always recognize that piece of yourself in it. Um, well, and it and, uh, <laughs> when I was doing production design for film, I would constantly hide props from other films into multiple things that I was working on just <laughs> because that was me. Like, yeah, it's fun. Being like I'm going to borrow this lamp and put it in the back of this scene because I can. And emotionally it kind of ties together with this other film. So I'm just going to, well, yeah, we started <laughs> doing that with the lift too. I mean, we would, you know, we worked pretty closely with the writers. So, I mean, it was, it was a matter of saying, well, you know what? I'd like to reuse this character over here. And you kind of start to tie things together. Um, and that's one of the unifying things about, you know, the music that, that Nico does. That's, you know, I, I'm sure Tanner, you're probably starting to recognize it too, that it, it ties the episodes together. It gives you kind of a feel people know what to expect. Yeah. And we were actually having a discussion very similar to this, as far as tying things together is we realized about a week ago that we have a logo, but we don't really have a brand. Right. And this is a, this is a territory that I don't really know much about. I understand social media to a certain extent. I understand audio production to a certain extent. I'm kind of a jack of all trades. But when you're talking about branding something so that consistently across every aspect of it, you have things that make you think, oh, this is the Legends Mr. Whiskey podcast, or oh, this is the Mythos Symphony series of different epics. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. when you see a Coca-Cola commercial, you know you're watching a Coca-Cola commercial before you know you're watching one. Right. Because they have branding and yeah. however that works, people in hats under the sun with really white teeth, you know, like you just know, <laughs> oh, hey, this is going to be a Coca-Cola commercial of some kind. And Nico definitely does that with everything. He's brought that in mm -hmm. to the stories where the only thing that was tying them together before was my voice acting. That mm -hmm. was it. And Do my I voice acting isn't really, I don't think that that's. Too, too grand you know, I, 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 I change pitch and volume is really my only talent I, of course i did do that irish accent yeah which wasn't irish at all yeah it works no it's it, it, the music People definitely who weren't helps. Irish thought it was okay jeanette will tell you as an artist your colors help too i mean like you know certain i mean that's a that's a lot and i can tell you from marketing background that that's a lot of branding is your color study to know what your color palette is and mm -hmm. you know because that's the subconscious stuff that people get you know, and the Coca-Cola yeah. thing is subconscious, too. I mean, it's the white and the red. We know that right away. Mm -hmm. And just 
and sometimes the music or the attitude, the way things are, all those things tie into your branding. And and it's just that and the music is a big part of it is obviously for what you guys are creating and, you know, your voice, of course. Right. I mean, people expect that they expect a certain sound, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a very interesting and, and complex, but very simple at the same time, distinction between a logo and a brand. People a lot of times think they're the same thing, but yeah, branding is, is a lot bigger than that. Yeah. Jeanette, like, smiling. Uh, well, <laughs> she knows that's what I was doing with, um, with the thumbnails just for like the ninth story in particular. Right. I wanted, you know, I feel like our interviews are about like, it's not just about the people. It's not just about what you're doing. It's about how you're making it. Mm-hmm, so yeah. that's why all of the artwork is very sketchy and like very simple. It's my branding for the ninth story is like, here's the sketch of this person that you should explore more. Like look, we're going to fill out this thought now. Um, that's what's been behind that thought. <laughs> no, it's, it's really cool. I mean, that's something that you definitely brought to um, this season aside from, you know, being my companion and my co-host on this is, you know, the art and the consistency there. It's it that's, that's branding right there. You know, the it, cover art that you did for our interview when the legends missing whiskey interview with you guys, episode four or seven, it looks like now that I'm looking at your website, I yeah. thought I didn't expect to get that. And when you sent that to us, I thought it was the coolest thing because I'd seen your art, your cover art before and thought, oh, man, this is a really cool style. I wonder if they'll do this for us. No, they probably won't do it for us. Maybe it's just for like bigger interviews. And when you gave us that, I was just I was ecstatic about it. I still I actually have it set as a wallpaper on one of my backgrounds. Oh, on one of my awesome. monitors. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> What made you choose Beowulf as the piece that you wanted to work on? I mean, I understand that part of it's probably that it's public domain, um, which makes things a lot easier whenever it comes to like rights and things like that. But I mean, it's a great story. I know that for people that maybe haven't read it or maybe aren't aware of the cultural references Mm -hmm. and how it ties into your show. What what made that the the perfect first piece for you to do? Because I know you probably plan on doing more, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to do uh, next year. Um, we're going to do one every quarter. And we don't know if the next one is going to come out in January or if the next one's going to come out in March, April, because we can't decide. We feel like we need to take some time off to because one of the things we do at the end of a season for the Legends Mr. Whiskey podcast is we take about a month and we plan out the next season. And if we don't have that time or if that time is spent doing other projects, then we worry that the next season isn't going to be as well composed or thought out before we get into it. But initially we did not choose Beowulf. That wasn't our first pick. Um, We wanted something epic. We wanted something old. We wanted something that, you know, told the hero's tale well and told it from like the beginnings of the hero's tale. And we figured that that was a really good place to start since we were basically creating what we kind of view as a new genre of, storytelling mythos symphony we we view as something other people will hopefully do in the future there'll be other mythos symphonies out there um and originally we thought that the perfect story for that was the epic of gilgamesh and the epic of gilgamesh is of course in the public domain right because it's thousands of years old whereas beowulf is only a little over a thousand years old um but it's written on a stone tablet and you can't read that because I can't read Babylonian and what I think that it's written in uh, or Aramaic or something. Yeah. Um, so you have to turn to books that translated it and you have to find books that translated it into English prose or later, like modern English or later, 
or else people aren't going to really want to hear it the way that it was written in like Canterbury style language. You know, that's not something people are going to sit through. And I don't think that they want to hear a poetic reading because these are the, both of these stories were originally poems. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But those books that have those translations, those are not in the public domain because someone put the work in to do it. Um, So initially we wanted to do Gilgamesh and we could not find a copy in the public domain that, wasn't either like a poem or was was in the public domain right so we said okay well geez now we don't like what are we gonna do we wanted to do this all is lost you know we were really bummed out about it uh and then we came across and of course we knew the story of beowulf before um but we ended up picking beowulf which is really really cool because it it was i think it was a better story yeah because I know the Epic of Gilgamesh is a good story, but Beowulf has got dragons and it's got giants and it's got monsters getting their arms ripped off. You know, like it's and it's got hurdy gurdies now because of, <laughs> because of our of our music man over here, our master maestro. And it ended up being that it was good that our initial pick wasn't what we ended up doing because we feel like Beowulf now. I mean, giants, sea monsters, swords, you know, honor, all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, it just seems so much better. So it wasn't our first pick, um, but we're happy that we ended up at it. And that was kind of the choosing process was, like you said, yeah, um, public domain and something. That's where we started. But after getting into it and reading it and doing all the work that we've done to it now, I mean, I think that and I believe Nico will agree with me that we have such an affinity for this story now. And you and I were talking before we started the interview about the Beowulf movie, the animated one that came out in like 2010 yeah. or something. And I had never seen it until I got really intimate with this story mm-hmm. and Eric, the co-host on legends, of Mr. Whiskey and who does the commentary tracks with me on the Smitho symphony. Um, he, he was like, Oh, well let me show you a scene from the movie. I'll show you the Grendel fight from the movie. And this was before <laughs> he had gotten to that point in the book because Eric's reading has to be a bit more slow because I'm depending on him for a lot of the research. That's, that's his role in the project. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hadn't gotten to that fight, but he wanted me to see what it was like in that movie. And I'm like, this is not, this is not how this happened. This is not, I was mad. I was really upset <laughs> that it was represented so incorrectly. Yeah. And he goes, well, I thought it was great. And I go, you won't think it was great as soon as you're done with the story. You'll think this is a travesty. Um, this makes so, so much sense because he kept on saying, we use Slack, we use like a team messaging thing. And he kept on saying spoilers after every time I said, oh, I'll finish this chapter. This is a chapter where he fights a dragon. Spoilers, everyone. And he kept on saying spoilers, spoilers. But I was like saying, you, surely you must have read the whole story. But I'm guessing he hadn't gotten that far yet. No, he takes like he takes <laughs> days to get through a couple chapters because he's breaking everything down and making sure that originally we wanted the Mytho Symphony to be semi-academic or to have an academic gloss that a student could go to and say, you know, maybe you don't want to read the 120 page Beowulf because college students don't have time for that. I mean, they got a party, you know, they right. don't have time right. reading Beowulf. Um, and the Mythos Symphony, <laughs> the Mythos Symphony, I think in length total and Nico, correct me if I'm wrong here is like three and a half hours, three hours, somewhere in that two, ballpark. Well, we've edited it. So it's now at two hours, 53 minutes. Okay. So without the commentary. Right. Oh, so with the commentary, considerably longer, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to guess I'm four and a half with the commentary. So imagine having to read this book, which you have to do. It's an active thing. You can't be passive about reading a book, but you can throw this on in the car. you know. So we wanted it to have an academic gloss to it. Eric and Nico have kind of, well, more so Eric has swayed me away from that because if we say it's academic, 
then we are going to be held to a much higher standard than if we just say, hey, we're going to try to teach you some things that maybe you wouldn't have known if you just read it on your own. Right. So we've, we've kind of stopped using the term academic gloss, and we've just said, and there are some discussions tracks that might help you to you know, understand the story better than if you'd read it on your own. But there is a lot in there that, that I think that because of the conversations that Eric and I have in those tracks, I think their listeners are going to get so much more out of the story than they would. And honestly, I think a college student could listen to it and feel like they knew the story a lot better than just reading it on their own. I think I'm that's just an important saying. distinction. I mean, you know, because when you're dealing with a story from another time, I mean, there's certain things that stay the same. We're still, we still have the same fears and cares. We still love the same way, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's consistent from story to story in, you know, whether it's a story that was written a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, or, or if there is, if it's, if it's a good story, let me quantify that statement if it's well written <laughs> and someone actually cares about what they're creating oh um, like the gummy bears <laughs> right exactly <laughs> exactly or you know maybe fan fiction of uh i don't know uh maybe twilight or something like that mm-hmm. um which you know whatever you know if that's your bag um but at <laughs> any rate no i mean i think that there's there's definitely something to that and and the discussion on an older work like that helps modernize it and bring it forward so people could be like oh okay i get what he's trying to say here i do think the discussion helps bring in like some of the context of what was culturally yes. normal back in the day and yeah. like right. that's what i was trying to say jeanette said okay. it was better i'm just <laughs> no you're, you're saying it was better <laughs> well the the coolest thing about working with eric eric and i have been friends for probably a decade now uh and that relationship started because Eric was dating my sister at one point. So like I knew, I know Eric really, really well. Eric's been in my life for a long time. Uh, And when we started doing the podcast together, he brought out a funness. I know that's not a word, but a funness in me that I don't have on my own. When I was doing the podcast on my own between hosts, I feel like I was very not dry, but uh, not didactic. What's the word when you're just kind of droning on, you know, you're, there's no personality to it. I felt like that about it. And I'm honestly surprised that we retain listeners through those, you know, eight or so episodes. Um, But what we asked ourselves before we started the project was, well, what do people like about our show? They like the storytelling. They're there for the stories. We do whiskey reviews, but you know, that's not what the show's about. It's just something we do throughout the show to make it a little more fun and different. Uh, And when we started to do this book project, I was the one who wanted to make it academic. And Eric was tempering me and saying, look, people want more from us from what we already do. So why do you want to change the style that we're having these conversations? And it's better if we keep it the way it is, maybe clean it up a little bit, do a little more research to tighten it up, but keep it generally the same. And Mm -hmm. so if people like our podcast, these audio, ah, I almost said audiobooks. That's not what they are. These mythos symphonies. They're really, really going to like them, I think. I think that's I mean, so important. Branding. Good job. <laughs> that's right. Very good. Very good. No, I think that that's so important to know your audience and to know what works and to know what people want. You know, um, I mean, obviously, you can't you can't do something unnaturally. I don't feel. I mean, I, you can, but I don't think it's any fun. And I think eventually you burn out on it if you try to make your show something that it's not. If you try to make what you're making something that it's not. But if you're already doing it and you're already having fun to focus on what are out of the five things that we do, the best three elements of what we do and Mm -hmm. to really focus on making those the front. um, I think that's important. And, you know, the, the, the storytelling, 
the discussion and the fun that you have and, and the music is obviously for me, yep. those are three of the the things that, that really draw me to the show and to draw, draw me to what you do. So 